Today, uh, we continue the parables of Jesus. Matter of fact, today we're going to look at two connected parables. Now, before you get nervous, it doesn't mean two sermons. Um, I've condensed it down, but Jesus focuses on another aspect today as we look at God's word of God's kingdom, and namely how we find and we enter a life that both submits to and enjoys the gracious rules of the kingdom of God and how he rules in our heart and and, uh, how our lives are touched. And so today we are going to look at the parable of seeking the hidden treasure in the pearl of great price. Two parables, and as I said, they're semi-connected. The kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says, a treasure hidden in a field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Now, I know that many of you ladies love pearls and uh, and some of you have fine pearls, and you can appreciate uh, the text that we will be looking at this morning. Because it's only with a few words that Jesus describes, well, at least the first simple scene that we're going to look at this morning. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, and when a man found it, he hid it again, and then In his joy, he went out, sold everything he could possibly do to buy that field. In June, uh, we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to entertain a couple of our grandchildren. And in doing so, we attended a circus at Battlefield Mall. Matter of fact, the circus was so good, we went two nights in a row, or the kids were so bad, We took them two nights in a row to keep them occupied. No, they were great kids. Really, Lil and I loved the circus, and we said to the kids, let's go back again. And uh, the circus was called Circus Italia. And it was introduced with the theme of pirates that were looking for a lost treasure, which eventually was found through the course of the circus in the evening. And at the end of the show, the treasure was found. And to us, a couple things about the parable that we are going to look at this morning may seem a little strange. The first odd thing to us may be that um, when you talk about buried treasures, it seems kind of far from our minds. And of course, today, children like to dream about finding buried treasures. And they got excited about it with the other children that attended the circus, seeing a big chest full of gold coins and jewels and the talk of pirates and treasure maps and stolen goods hidden away, but never found back. And that always excites children, the fact of finding something. But how likely is a child going to find a treasure in a sandbox? How likely is a person with a metal detector that goes and, and uh, kind of uh, goes over the land of a park or the beaches going to find something of value? Well, it happens because people are motivated to do it. Let me tell you about a couple pair, or yeah, a couple pair, a pair of treasure hunters that were using a metal detector. The guy's name was Adam Staples, and his friend was Lisa Grace. They made a discovery of a lifetime when they unearthed a hoard of ancient coins 
worth around $6 million in a field in Somerset, Somerset, which is in the west part of England. These two treasure hunters were walking through this field in the countryside and they were waving their metal detectors to and fro and as they walked along, as someone would, as I say, in our parks or our beaches, they were looking for lost coins. And these two treasure hunters unearthed 2,571 Anglo-Saxon and Norman coins in January of 2019. They were searching this farmland with their metal detectors. They reported their find to the authorities, which is required by the United Kingdom laws, that they have to tell them, and the coins were then sent to the British Museum for value uh, evaluation. The owner of the land where the coins were found is entitled to half of the proceeds. So needless to say, everybody's excited because Adam and Lisa continued to keep that exact location where they found these coins, the discovery of them under wraps at the present time. It sounds like a modern day parable where someone walks through a field, finds a treasure, and they hide it again. Well, in the UK, you can't do that, or you're not supposed to. You report it. Someone once asked, where do you think the most expensive piece of real estate is in this world? Well, I got a little touch of it in visiting Vail, Colorado, where I saw that square foot building was of a huge amount of money. Today, we talk about $150 a square foot, and some of the homes that I saw listed were like $3,000 per square foot to build. But you know, the most expensive real estate, from what I understand, is cemeteries, because there are so many treasures that are buried in cemeteries. There are dreams that were never pursued, individuals that wanted to write a book that was never written, songs that were never sung, inventions that were never pursued, churches perhaps that were never built, and trips that were never taken, and you can go on and on and on. Well, in chapter 13 of the book of Matthew, we find that Matthew includes in this chapter seven parables, seven parables that are focused upon the kingdom of God. We are now coming to the end of those seven parables. And Jesus leaves the crowds, he speaks to the disciples in private, and he shares these parables. Today, we are going to consider two of them, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value. And when most people hear the parable of the hidden treasure, they conclude that everything revolves around the idea of people giving up everything and following Jesus. In other words, you and I walk through the field, we find a treasure. The treasure is Jesus Christ. We go and sell everything to follow Christ. Now, that's a great thought, and it is a, a true thought that happens in our lives as we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. But there are several interpretations of this parable, and today I'm going to share with you one. I'm going to share with you one that um, I am fond of, and um, I look at it for the reasons that I will state this morning. The meaning that I wish to share is God's great love 
towards us. The emphasis today is to realize God loves us so much. And today, we, <clears throat> as a church, we, we were blessed by the choir, my Jesus, I love thee. And we do. But the treasure in the field and the pearl of great price represents you and me today. In God's eyes, we were lost children in the wrong hands. And so God came down as a man, Jesus Christ, and paid the ultimate price to get us back, to follow him. And in Matthew, the 13th uh, chapter, we will look at verses 44 and 45. And here we find our text. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. And he bought that field again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. And he bought it. In the parable of the hidden treasure, the man represents Jesus Christ. The treasure represents children of the kingdom, you. The field represents the earth, the world. And a couple of verses earlier, the disciples asked Jesus about the meaning of the wheat and the tares parable. And from this parable, I gain insight, each one of us, because here we gain some insight into what the field actually means straight from Jesus' interpretation. It's in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verses 36 through 38. It says that Jesus left the crowd and he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. So based on Jesus' explanation to the disciples here, I believe that we can begin to see and interpret the other parables dealing with the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of here in the same chapter. For example, Jesus said, the field represents the world or earth. And knowing this, we can conclude in looking at the text that we're looking at today, that the field also must be the world. A man is walking through the world. So what about the treasure in the field or the treasures in this world? How do we know exactly that this represents you? How do we know that this represents children of the kingdom? Well, to understand this, I think we have to look at it, the context of a treasure in this parable. And let's think about the meaning of a treasure. First, from a normal viewpoint. When we think of a treasure, a treasure is something that represents value. When we think of a treasure, it's not necessarily money. When we think about a treasure, we understand to one person, a treasure may be a treasure, but to another, it may be junk. If, treasure, if a treasure is lost, it's not really beneficial, although it's still considered valuable. If you've ever left something on an airplane, if you've ever left your cell phone somewhere, if you've ever left something that's important to you, if a treasure is found, its value can be seen and it's beneficial in some form. Treasures 
is usually protected in some way. Treasure is something hidden to be uh, safe and hidden from others. Understanding in biblical times, they didn't have banks, they didn't have safety deposit boxes, but they had the earth. And some people still today will use a coffee can, dig a hole in the backyard, and there uh, will be their treasure. I always tell my family, if something happens to me, make sure you look through every envelope in every file, because usually when I do that, I... 20 minutes later, I may have $100 richer than what I was because I tend to just put things in an envelope and boom, there they are. And that aggravates my family. But knowing this definition, we must look at this parable in relationship to the treasure from God's perspective. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number 21, the scripture says, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart be also. We see that in Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse number 35, a good man out of the good treasures of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse number two, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then, of course, when we study and we review and we think about the scripture found in John 3, 16, and verse number 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Scripture says, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And this verse also applies to God in his heart, in his treasures. And as we can conclude and as we see from the scriptures, above all, we are the focal point of God's heart. We are God's treasure. The scripture tells us that we're the apple of his eye, regardless of what you're going through today, regardless of the struggles, regardless of the, cha of the challenges in life, the issues that you may be facing, understand that you are important in God's eyes, that you and I are his treasure. And this reveals that God's heart is for us and that God loves us as we look at these texts. And knowing this, we can see that we're considered God's treasure from his perspective. So these are just a few scriptures that show us that we are God's treasures because his heart is for us. And where your heart is, your treasure will also be, the word of God says. So let's take a look at this parable again and think about the treasure portion of it now. Remembering God considers us his treasure. Jesus said in Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse number 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, God's creation, his people, hidden in a field, the world. And when a man, and that man is Jesus Christ, found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had 
and he bought the field. Treasure is something that represents value. We've established that. You and I are valuable to God. Today, you may feel like you are nothing. Perhaps you are feeling down upon yourself. I want you to understand that you and I are valuable to God. Treasure is not necessarily money. Although we aren't money, God says where your treasure is, your heart will be. And God's heart is obviously towards us. He loves us. We are his treasure. Treasures to one person may be junk and to another it may be of great value. People in the world and Satan might consider you and I as junk. Might consider us as worthless. Might consider us as not useful or there's something wrong with us. But please understand that God considers you and I as a treasure. You are important to our Lord. If a treasure is lost, it's not really beneficial, although it's still considered valuable. Although we are lost, we are valuable, considered valuable in God's eyes. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, his son to save us. And if a treasure is found, its value can be seen. It's beneficial in some form. And once you and I are found, thank God, we become children of the kingdom. We become beneficial according to God's purpose for our lives and the lives of others around us. The scripture says, let your light so shine. Let it shine and don't cover it up. A treasure is usually protected in some form. Isn't it wonderful today to know that you and I are protected, that you and I are secure in the hands of God? Yes, my Jesus, I love thee, but the love of God is so great for each one of us. He cares for us. He cares for each person today. Some people may think that, hey, you're worthless, you're poor in value. And you may have regrets in your life. You may have things that you regret that you have done. Some may call you names or even try to defame your worth. However, part of the good news is regardless of what other people think or even what you may think, God still knows that you are worth so much. God knows our true potential. God knows that we're still a treasure to him. And so we can be encouraged today. Please know that. The scripture says, the man who sold all to buy the field, that man being Jesus Christ in Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought the field. Let's face it. If God didn't think that you were worth it, if he didn't think that I was worth it, he never would have paid the ultimate price for us. The price paid to purchase something reflects the value of what it is purchased. Oftentimes people will ask me, well, what's this classic car worth? What's this antique car worth? And you know, that's difficult sometimes to establish the value because it's worth whatever someone would pay for it. Some people have emotional ties to old things. They might have been brought home from the hospital in that particular automobile, or they remember their father 
um, driving that automobile. And unfortunately, as life goes on, when you take, for example, a Model T, I used to watch them go through the auctions at 20,000 plus, and now I can see a perfectly restored Model T for $10,000 because the people who owned them have passed on. And unless there's an emotional, emotional contact, or my grandpa had one of those, you know, the values change. And if you weren't considered important, you and I, then God never would have gone to such lengths to buy us back. He never would have gone the extra mile to reveal our true potential. Look at these scriptures with help. They help us reveal part of this parable about Jesus purchasing the field to get the hidden treasure, the field, back. In 1 Corinthians the sixth chapter in verse number 20, God's word said, you were brought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. The apostle Paul writes that. In 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, verse number 23, the apostle Paul says, you were bought at a price, do not become slaves of human beings. When we look at this text in John, the 15th chapter, verses 12 through 14, my commandment is this, love each other as I love you. Greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, especially. In the parable, it says, the man, Christ, bought the field, he bought the world. And what's interesting is the one who owned the field, the one who owned the world before didn't even realize there was a treasure in it, did not honor the individual. And if the previous owner of the field did, he never would have sold it. And this is basically the devil who didn't realize God's plan to restore his children, the children of God back to their full potential in Jesus Christ. I thank God for that today. If you are without hope today, if you're an individual that has sin in your heart and sin in your life, this is your opportunity. Jesus Christ loves you. He cares for you. God has brought us back from the bondage of sin and from Satan. And he did this through the offering of his son, Jesus Christ. And Satan had no clue what hit him because the love and the power of God is beyond measure. The parable says that the man sold all that he had to buy the field. And some may ask, hey, what did Jesus sell? What did God sell to buy this field? I believe that God came down from heaven and became a man to purchase us back. And God didn't have to leave heaven but he did so because he wanted to buy us back. He wanted to redeem us, and Jesus made a sacrifice for us. And part of God becoming a man was in the form of selling all out. Part of Jesus not having a place to lay his head was a form of selling it all out. Part of Jesus giving and laying down his life was a type of selling and payment and, 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 and selling all out. He paid the ultimate price. Scripture even states that he became poor so you and I could become rich through his son, Jesus Christ. And this also reflects on how he sold all for us as well. There are scriptures, so many of them, that we are blessed by and we see the work of God for our benefit. Fred Lehman in 1917 
He wrote a hymn. The hymn is titled The Love of God. And he said that the love of God is so rich and pure. And how measureless and strong his love is. It shall forever endure. The saints and the angels song. The love of God for each one of us. Now, quickly, let's look at the pearl of, of great price. The pearl of great price. These are two parables that are quite familiar. When I read this parable, I often think of our mission trip to China when we went to work in an orphanage with a team of workers from this church. And I remember we went to the pearl market and how some of you that are in this room studied so hard and you looked at the jewelry at that market and you looked at the pearl. And Matthew, the 13th chapter here in this text, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. This is another parable that hitchhiked that Jesus told, and it was connected, hitchhiked on the parable that we just looked at. In this parable, the merchant is seeking. The merchant is, is, is searching for a specific beautiful pearl or pearls. However, when he found one specific pearl of great price, he sold everything that he had to buy it. In the meaning of this parable, what's interesting is that the merchant was actually seeking and looking for a type of pearl. He wasn't looking for just something ordinary. He wanted something extraordinary. You and I as his children. He just didn't settle for something of common value. He went after the best pearl that he could find. And however, this particular pearl was in the wrong hands at first. It's evident, at least from the merchant's perspective, from Christ's perspective. The merchant had a mentality like, I must have this pearl. And that's why he went to such lengths by selling all he had to buy it. The merchant here represents Jesus Christ. The pearl of great price is similar to the treasure and, and the children of his kingdom, you and I. And that being said, it would be incorrect um, for us to, to ignore that, to understand that God is searching and he is seeking your heart today that God wants you to become his child today, that he wants you to become part of his kingdom, that he wants you to be an individual that is a child of God. Matthew 13, 45, interesting. When I go to a place in preparation for my sermons, it's a website called Bible Gateway, and I can look at every interpretation of the scripture, and boy, it changes quite often as you look at the different versions of the scripture. But today, I want you to be aware of my version. You probably have never seen a CDA. You've seen, uh, you know, uh, King James and you've seen uh, NIVs, but the CDA, Charlie D. Arsenal. Again, I would say the kingdom of heaven is Jesus seeking the lost children of the kingdom who when he had found one lost child of the kingdom, he went and sold all that he had to buy it. That's how much God loves us. Pearls are typically a high value item. And you and I, we are worth a significant value to God. Please understand that. 
on your bad day, on your weak day, on the days of being bombarded, you are important to God. Even just one person, you are special to God. Pearls are an item that typically is shown and worn as an accessory. And God wants us to shine, church. God wants us to shine and be his light through the lives of others. Let us be obedient to the scripture. Christ is in us. He is the hope of glory. We have something to share according to Colossians, the first chapter, the 27th verse. Shine. Let your light shine. And notice that the merchant was in search of a particular type of pearl, a specific type. And typically, rarer pearls will bring a greater amount. Remember, you and I can't purchase the kingdom of God. We can't buy Jesus Christ, or we can't buy our way into heaven. Jesus is a free gift to all who believe and accept him. Do you want to do that today? If you have not done that today, take that step right now. I encourage you, we can't come to God on our own. We can't bear fruit on our own. We can't do any of these actions on our own. We need the help from God. And that's the very first step. Jesus Christ, come into my heart. Thanks be to God for his mercy. Thanks be to God for his grace. To you and I, God is more precious than silver. To you and I, God is more costly than gold. Yes, my Jesus, I love thee. But thank you for the love that you have shown us, that you have given us, that we can have new life. Would you pray with me today? Thank you, Father God. Lord, as we come before you today, we must remember that we're saved by grace through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the scripture tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And Father, we come before you with a repenting heart today. We accept Jesus Christ into our life and we thank you, God, that you have offered us forgiveness of sin. I thank you for the person today that is struggling, that they can come to you with great release. God, the person that needs to be comforted today, we thank you for the wealth of strength that we have, that we can draw from you. And God, I thank you for that in my own life today. That the things in this world are unknown. That day in and day out, we, we don't know about the future, but we do know that, Lord, you hold it. And Father, you are our strength. You are the healer. That you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And by your stripes, we are healed. Jesus Christ, come into my heart today. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Lord, we praise you and we give you glory because you are very precious to us. And we thank you, God, for the price that you have paid. And Father, we thank you for the redemption that you offer us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand together. Those of you that are home, God bless you. Sing along with us today.